0: Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. We interrupt our series in Philippians to consider today a plea for the family on this Mother's Day. And again, welcome, church. God has graced us with a beautiful Lord's Day morning and a beautiful Mother's Day morning. And we are so very, very thankful. I love my family. I am so blessed by Sharon, my wife of 43 years. So blessed we are to have our two children and our seven grandchildren nearby, and I know that that's rare in the world of 2018. I was so blessed to grow up in a Christian home. It was not perfect. Well, it was until I came along. That's what my big sister has told me repeatedly, and I know she wouldn't lie. My parents loved Jesus, and they taught me about Him and were the two greatest influences in my life in my coming to faith in Jesus. I realized that not everyone had that kind of upbringing, though I wish you had, and I know that there are many here today for whom Mother's Day is difficult I'm aware that there are some who have tried to have children and it did not happen or has not happened. Others have tried to adopt and you've run into one roadblock after another. Some of you have experienced the passing away of your mom in recent days. Some of you have lost a child uh, during your lifetime and that makes Mother's Day always a bit difficult or poignant. Some of you have memories of your upbringing in a home that was not Christian, in a home that uh, where things were not well, and so your memories are not good, and Mother's Day may be, for some, almost unbearable or at least not as pleasant as it is for most of the people seated around you. We acknowledge that. And pray today that the Spirit of God will minister to the heart of every person in this room, regardless of where you have come from or what your experience may have been, that God will be gracious and bless you this morning. And as always, our greatest desire and prayer is that if there is one person in this room who has not yet given his or her heart to Jesus, that this will be the day of your salvation. I'm so encouraged by what I see in the families of First Baptist Belton, particularly as I look at the coming generations and the, the young adults in our church and, and what I see in a desire to please the Lord and a desire to raise their children well and their desire to be focused on God above all else. And I'll, I'll kind of throw down a little gauntlet Today to maybe some of us in older ages and Sunday school last our, our young adult department has been growing and growing and growing and and the month of April our young adults became the largest Sunday school department in the church. So I want to throw down the gauntlet to some of our older adults who have had that crown for a while to work hard to get more folks in your department and reclaim your crown. And then I'll challenge the young adults to take it back from you. And we'll have a good tug of war uh, over that. But as I go and visit with them almost every Sunday in their department, the young adults, I see an enthusiasm and a warmth um, that's very, very exciting. And I love seeing their children about the church and in Sunday school. And this is anecdotal. It is not scientific, but it seems to me that our families... Our young adult families are getting bigger, uh, more children, and that's awesome. I love that. And I know today we'll have baby dedication in the second service, and I know one family has six kids and another family has seven kids. And so it's kind of fun to just see all that and uh, what God is is all about. The plea today, however, is that our families, all of our families, young and old alike, will adhere to Scripture because we have to have an anchor. Jesus is our anchor, and He is revealed to us in, in Scripture. So I want us to see a, a very important Old Testament passage this morning as we think about this plea for the family. So stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and here's what it says. These. Are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life? Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down. And when you get up, very picturesque way that God is saying to us as families, teach the Scripture at every opportunity in any place at any time. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah when they complained and Moses struck the rock and just wondering if you're wondering what Massah is all about. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of all of this? What is the meaning of the stipulations and decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household, but he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord, our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. You may be seated. Children of Israel are at the edge of the promised land. God has brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Miraculously so. And they are on the edge of the promised land, but they are facing what appears to them to be a daunting task. There are people who already live in the promised land and they are not too keen on the children of Israel coming in and taking away the land from them. Israel has not had armies in slavery in Egypt. They knew nothing about taking up arms and they are standing on the edge of the promised land as an untrained, unqualified, physically unready people to take this land. And God says, Obey me, trust me, and the land will be yours. All of the fortified cities will fall. All of the armies that face you will be as nothing. The walls of the cities that you see will crumble. You will have the land. Only obey me and do what I tell you to do. There are two absolute essentials that God shares with his people. And one is that you obey God. And the second is that you have strong families. And when he says strong families, he's not necessarily referring to the size physically of the family. He's talking about a heart that is strong. So today, as we have a plea for the family, I just simply want us to notice four things from the text. And the first is this, in a plea for families, love God. Very simple, isn't it? Love God. I may say in the course of one minute, I love my wife, I love my children, I love my grandchildren, I love my car. (laughs) Surely I don't mean the same thing when I say I love my car as I do when I say I love my family. Of course not. Of course I don't mean the same thing. It's the same in loving God. He cannot be in the middle of a list of the top ten things that I love. He must be at the top of the list. He must be number one. That's why he tells us that we are to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We are to love God. And loving God is more than theory and it's certainly more than feelings we understand that in the truest essence of the word love it means action it means action i can say to my wife a thousand times baby i love you but if my actions belie my words she will not believe me but if i say to her i love you and then i clearly show her and demonstrate to her that those words are true, then she believes what I say. It is the same with God. We say, I love you, God. And we should say that as often as we can every single day. I love you, God. But then we also understand that we are to show Him that we love Him by what we do, by the attitude of our hearts and by the actions of our hands and our feet and the things that we say as well as the things that we think. Dads, regardless of your age, we understand that we are called by God to be the spiritual leaders of our homes And the greatest demonstration of being the spiritual leader of the home is the way that we love and respect our wives, the mothers of our children. And so we should lead the way as spiritual leaders in reading the Bible and praying ourselves and with our families in being absolutely certain that we are faithful in the life of the church and that we find a place in which to serve God. Through the church. Moms. Love God and show it. Single moms. You have more than one role. And we know and acknowledge. That it's enormous. Married mothers. Encourage your husband. In his role. As a spiritual leader. Of the home. And then to the children. Love God and show it. Love God and show it by respect and obedience to your parents. The bottom line is that we as believing families are to be distinctive. We are set apart. We are different from unbelieving families. And we are unashamed of Jesus and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we love God second thing that I want us to notice from this text, and, and it's it's so important, is that we teach our children. Verses 6 through 9 are consumed with that idea of the teaching of our children. At home, we teach our children in a myriad of ways reflected in the text. As God says... When you're walking along the way, when you are seated, when you lie down in the daytime, in the nighttime, at any time, seize any opportunity to teach our children and our grandchildren about God. We live in a land of evaporating moral absolutes. And we cannot ignore it. If our children are going to learn moral absolutes based on the Word of God, then it is likely they will not learn it anywhere if they do not learn it at home. We must be the guardians of the home and the leaders of the home in teaching the Word of God. Now, that does not mean a formal sit-down class that you have as a father or mother with your children at home, though there would be nothing wrong with that if you chose to do that. But obviously from the text, God is talking about an every moment, every day opportunity for us to share what the Bible says, share about God, about Jesus, and about what the Scripture says the way about the way that we should live. The Bible is... Our authority and lordship belongs to Jesus. Lordship does not belong to any other person. Lordship does not belong to any government or any state. Lordship belongs to Jesus. And the home is a classroom for teaching Scripture, not a laboratory for experimentation. As we encourage our kids in math and science and language arts and history and and all of that is important, as we encourage them in those subjects with the full realization that none of those things have salvation power, but they are important for life, as we encourage and teach and help and assist with those things, let us as the family of God, let us as families who belong to Christ not ignore the words of life, but let us be absolutely certain that we are sharing the words of life with those whom God has entrusted to us, and that is primarily our children and our grandchildren. It is not an either-or, either uh, encourage math and science or I encourage the Bible it is a both and but we understand that the importance of sharing about Christ and Scripture falls to us as our primary responsibility in the home. Thank God we have a church that stands with us and helps and encourages and offers a myriad of opportunities for our children to grow in the Lord, to come to know the Lord and to grow in the Lord. But remember, the, the first responsibility is not the church. It is us as parents, grandparents in the home. Impress, in verse 7, that, that word impress upon your children, that word impress is not passive In the Hebrew, that is an aggressive word, a very aggressive word. So God is not saying just passively somehow, if you think about it once in a while, teach your children about Scripture. It is an aggressive word. So He is saying impress upon your children. Do it. Decide in advance you will do it and then do it. Impress upon your children the truth. Of, of scripture. For instance, I wonder today if we were to go through our schools and, and we were to take a, a poll and we were, we were to say to kids in school, what does the rainbow represent? By the noise through the congregation, I I know what you're thinking. How many would say, oh, that symbolizes uh, the gay movement, homosexuality, as opposed to those who would say, oh, in the Bible, God says the rainbow is a promise. I'll never destroy the earth again by flood. What do you think? If your children and mine are going to know the original meaning of the rainbow, God's intent for the meaning of the rainbow, they're going to have to learn it from us and from the church. Remember the importance of our responsibility I was. I loved last Sunday night because this was our uh, annual year-end Awana celebration, and every year it gets better. And if you were here, you know what I'm talking about. All these kids, uh, my goodness, seeing them all together at one time—it's amazing. And seeing their parents right here was an amazing thing. And I love the fact that these kids are, are learning scripture. Eddie Humphrey shared with us that those kids who were from pre-K age, I think three is where we start, up through fifth grade, that all this multitude of kids who were all over the place up here have learned collectively, together, they've all learned in excess of 2,000 Bible verses since they started in September. September really through April. Over 2,000 Bible verses. I just, I just love that. And you know that the, yeah, you can clap. You know, the scripture that we learned as children, we still remember it, don't we? Now the, the verse I tried to memorize two weeks ago, I probably have already forgotten. But the verses I learned as a child, I still remember them, and so do you. Those children will remember those verses until they go home to be with Jesus. Isn't that magnificent? So we're to teach the children. And I'm so thankful for our our, our, our children and our, our youth ministry so that parents can have the confidence we link arms with the church in the teaching of our children. It's magnificent. Now, the third thing from this text is this, practice gratitude don't you? You know, I, I know. In this service, we we tend to be a little on the upper side of the age bracket. You know, just kind of average. We're. Don't you love it when a young person says to you, "Thank you, ma'am," "Thank you, sir." Sometimes we we kind of go, "What? <laughs> What'd you say?" It's, it's wonderful. I love hearing the younger generation say thank you. It's a, it's wonderful. Where do they learn that? Probably from you. We are to practice gratitude. For Israel, God said, remember me. This land you are taking is by my hand, God said. You're going to occupy houses that you did not have to build or buy. You're going to, you're going to pick grapes from vineyards that you didn't have to plant. You're going to drink water from wells that you did not have to break your back digging. So remember when you drink that water, eat those grapes or live in those houses, remember me because I am the one by my hand who is giving it all to you. We, here, have so much for which we can be thankful. Our salvation, the Scripture, our nation, our church. And we need to teach our children that everything we have is from the hand of God. Children have a sin nature from the moment of birth you know that what are the first words they learn no mine what are the first hand motions they learn <laughs> they just they just are born that way the Bible tells us they're born with a sin nature They're selfish, self-centered little critters. And if you don't teach them otherwise, that's the way they'll stay. So we have to teach them. We have to teach them gratitude. And so we do that. They hear us. They see us saying thank you to one another but they also hear us and see us saying thank you to God for all of the blessings that he has poured out upon us. Now, the fourth and final thing from this text is this. Rejoice or, or remember, your, remember your blessings. The last few verses, 20 through 25, remember your blessings. Remember them out loud with your kids, with your family. I relish... The stories told by my parents and my grandparents about their lives and about the way God worked in their lives. I, I remember, um, I remember hearing. And my father, he never told me this story when I was growing up, but I remember him telling my kids, and I got to listen to him about when he was little. He, I don't remember. 12, 13, 14, his father was a carpenter and they moved, they, they left the family behind and they went, my dad and my father, my grandfather went to Miami to build houses and they send money back to the family. And my grandpa had a, a dump truck and a pickup truck and my father drove the dump truck when he could barely see above the steering wheel from just outside Atlanta all the way to Miami. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? He wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me drive when I was that age. I'll just leave it at that. I just marvel. I just, what? How come you didn't tell me that story? Well, you know, I, mean, I didn't think you'd care. <laughs> I not think i care. That's incredible. But I remember the story of my dad's salvation, which I've shared with you. The story of my grandfather's salvation, which I, I, I've shared with you, plowing a field behind a donkey, and he hears the voice of God. Now, he swore to the day he died that he heard audibly the voice of God. I, I, okay, uh, what am I, I going to say? Okay, God, I believe you, Grandpa. And he stopped plowing, got over by a tree stump at the edge of the field, got down on his knees and prayed to receive Christ. I would, I am so thankful that I got to hear that story. Are you telling your children and your grandchildren the stories of your life? Some of you may think, oh, my grandkids aren't interested in my stories. You want to bet? You just gather them around sometime in a very natural setting and just start telling some of those stories. They'll be fascinated and they need to know that they need to hear. When were you saved? Have you ever shared that with your family, your children, your grandchildren? Tell about when they were born. I know they'll listen to that. Here's how God's blessed us. Name the ways. Losses, share them. Marriages, weddings, share it. Victories, trials, share what God has done in both. And share your love for Jesus and his church. Because your children will adopt your attitude about the church until they are old enough to decide For themselves what their own attitude will be. But remember you will be the one who shapes it first. And as the word of scripture says in the last verse of this text. If we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. That will be our righteousness. I've got a little story that I've used three or four times through the years in sermons, and I'm going to use it again. You may remember it. That's okay. I hope you remember it. To about a man named Charlie Shedd who wrote a number of books. One promises to Peter, one letters to Philip. Those were his boys. So I just want to read to you something that he wrote in letters to Philip. I hope that I will be able to make our faith natural to you. He's talking to Philip. We will pray together until it is easy for you to put your arms on the window seal, window sill of heaven and look into the face of God. It's a wonderfully picturesque way of saying I'm going to teach you son how to pray. Before I put you back in your crib, Philip, I want to tell you something that well, this before I put you back in your crib, Peter, I want to tell you something that Philip said. We had been out in the country for a ride. It was evening. We ran out of gas. We were walking along the road after we had been to the farmhouse and I was carrying a can of gasoline. Philip was 4. He was playing along, throwing rocks at telephone poles, picking flowers. And then all of a sudden, it got dark. Sometimes night comes all at once in the country. Philip came over, put his little hand in mine, and said, Take my hand, Daddy, I might get lost. Then he writes, Peter, there is a hand reaching to you from the heart of the universe. If you will lay your hand in the hand of God and walk with Him you will never get lost. And I love that. A plea for our families. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will stir our hearts as the men and women of God. I pray that you will stir our hearts as we seek to be the best moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and sisters and brothers and children in all the world. And I pray that we will love you and that we will demonstrate that, that we will teach our children and we will make that a priority of our lives. So, Father, I pray now that you will draw someone to yourself, that someone today might come to know Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand. And Brother Gary is going to lead us in a song of invitation to give your heart to Jesus. Will you come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you. You come as we stand and sing.